Welcome to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. I'm your host, Claire Sieber, global career and leadership coach, facilitator, speaker, and founder of Eating Your Cake 2, a business focused on helping you take control over your career and leadership success. Right here on this podcast, you'll learn how to amplify your influence, accelerate your career growth, create real presence, and have a true impact by learning the tools and strategies that you need to show up with more courage, more confidence, and more clarity. Are you ready? Let's do it. Meet Shelley Johnson. Shelley has led human resources teams for over a decade, coaching executives and business owners to become the leader they wish they had, build a dream team, and create a culture that has people talking and applying. When she's not doing that, you'll find Shell behind the microphone on the My Millennial Career Podcast, an Australian podcast awards finalist, where she's helped thousands of people build a career they love via the airwaves. Shell is full of whip smart advice, has a fabulous cackling laugh, and just generally keeps it real. I am beyond pumped to have Shelly on the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast today. Let's dive on in. Okay, Shelly Johnson, welcome to the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. Oh, Claire, it is so good to be hanging out with you today. I am thrilled. We've done, we're doing back-to-backs today. Now, I've just been the one who's been interviewed, and now we're flipping the tables, and it is your turn for me to ask you some of the, some of the big questions around career and leadership. Uh, we, we so play in such similar spaces, and so this has felt like a long time coming, you and I hanging out and talking all things careers, leadership, all the things. All of the things. And as we said earlier, we almost need to just block out like half a day so that we can talk smack for the first hour, hour and a half, and then actually do the thing that we said that we would do, which is record these podcasts. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Podcasts are secondary to you and I connecting about all the deep things in life. Exactly. But this is also what I love. Like I stand, one of the biggest values in my life is, and I think I've said this to you, is humor and heart. And so one of the things that I love is kind of when I meet people who are really total strangers and in our first (laughs) conversation, I think within about, remember the first time we tried to record and just all the tech was against us. So we were like, should we just chat on the phone? And then we spoke on the phone for like an hour and a half about really deep life shit. And that's when I knew that I loved you. Oh my gosh. Deep conversations are my love language. And it was like instant death. I'm like, Claire is my person. She is my, she is my people. She gets me. I get her. We're, we're going there. So straight away, the the deepest possible things in life. So hopefully we'll go, go deep on, on career leadership today. I think so. And I'm excited as well, because you obviously have your own podcast called My Millennial Career, which does incredible things. And so anyone that's not listening to that, absolutely jump on it. But you've also recently launched a book, which I have sitting next to me, called Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money, which I'm halfway through. I'll be honest and say I haven't read all of it yet, but I'm halfway through and it is friggin' awesome. So anyone that hasn't got that, I'm going to drop a link to it in the show notes as well. But I am really keen to hear, we're going to talk about leadership, but before we get to that, your I know your background is predominantly HR, but what is it for you that made you make that switch from kind of the corporate world into starting your own consultancy business? Yeah, 
a couple of things. I think moving from like an internal corporate role in HR to starting my own business, I'd describe that as a career change. Like it's still the same kind of industry and the technical skills are somewhat the same, somewhat being the um, important word there. But I think I, I'd gotten bored. And you know that feeling when you get bored? Mm. One of my values, and we talk about this in the book, finding out your, your values, and I know you, you do a lot of work on this in your business. One of my values is growth. And so I'd been working mm. in HR for 10 years and I just realized, I'm like, oh, I'm so bored. Like it's the same stuff all the time. And in order to feel like I'm in my sweet spot in life, it personally, I need to feel that sense of growth. And I just didn't have that anymore. And that for me was a bit of a worry because I just noticed my performance probably stagnated. The quality of the work I was delivering was stagnating. And I just realized, you know what? I need to make a career change. I need to have a change. And so that was starting the business. I'd had this little inkling for ages, Claire, of like, I have always wanted to do my own thing, mm. like to build something. But I also had, and I talk about this so much to people, it's like two trains of thought running simultaneously. I want to do my own business. I want to like go out on my own and I can't do it. I'm afraid. I'm fearful. I'm, I don't like risks. So it's like in this like really difficult spot of like, can I do it? Do I have what it takes? And then, but I also, I really want to try it. I want to have that growth opportunity. And so in the, at the end of the day, for me, I read uh, Daniel Pink's book, The Power of Regret. And I know you, you're nodding your head. You like his work is so powerful. And in his book, he said, his research, they researched thousands of people around the world on what people regret most. And his finding was that people don't regret the things they did do as much as they regret the things they didn't do. So he says the biggest failures are failures of boldness. So for me, I was on this journey of I'm, I don't want to get to 10 years from now and think, gee, I wish I was a bit more bold. I wish I was a bit more brave and backed myself and did my own thing. So then I started my business bold side, which is HR consulting for bold businesses. And it was all this, like, it, it was one of those moments of like, take the step, be bold. I don't know all the things, don't have all the answers, but just do it. And it's for the most part, it's been terrifying, but it's gone well <laughs> as well. <laughs> A hundred percent. I think business, I mean, I think business is terrifying. And I remember when I started my own business, somebody said to me, you'll never learn as much about yourself as what you do the first time that you have to look somebody in the eyes and tell them your feet and what your, what the charge is essentially just for you. Like it's not, not a product essentially. You're not selling shoes or t-shirts. It's you're just charging for your worth. And that was so, it stuck with me because there was so much truth in it. And particularly when you're starting out in your own business, you've got all of those gremlins, like you mentioned, is this the right decision? What if it fails? What if I can't do it? All of these things that I don't know, all of these things that I don't even know that I don't know yet, but it's a wild, wild ride, isn't it? Oh, and I think you're so right. You 
If you ever want to go on the biggest journey of self-discovery and self-development, start your own business. It's hectic. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hectic, but it is, it's been the most challenging thing that I've ever done for sure. And I feel like every business owner will tell you that the highs and lows, like high highs, like, holy crap, this is the best thing ever. And then low lows, I, I, I don't have what it takes. I can't do it. Am I good enough? Like all those things come into the mix, but I know like having the freedom and autonomy as well has been massive. So mm. I, I guess all of that to say, like that's part of my story, my journey. But the reason that I like, got to that decision, which I know has been the right decision for me is because I knew my values. Like I knew what I valued. And I think for anyone of your listeners, we need to check back in with what do we value? Because we sometimes lose track of it. Mm -hmm. And that's when I think we get that sense of like misalignment or we have this like feeling of something's not right, but I can't articulate it. I can't pinpoint it. And that to me is like your big signal of you've got to go back and do the values work. Mm -hmm. You've got to do that deep work on yourself to uncover what's not working. And therefore, how do I let my values be like my compass, my guide to find that next thing? Yeah, spot on, spot on. We kind of call it career non-negotiables and it's like what are values essentially, but like what are those, what are those four or five things for you that you need to have satisfied in order to kind of get up every morning with some level of passion and gusto? And, you know, not to say there are mornings where we all don't want to get out of bed, but we want on average to know that for the majority of my days I'm doing work that lights me up and the other thing I often say when it comes to your career non-negotiables for people is that it's okay if they change with the seasons of your life as well and, and they will and so I think sometimes people have this fear of, of doing the values work because they're like well once I decide on these I'm like locked and loaded and my advice on that is often you're you you are not locked and loaded at all the work is really just about actually giving yourself the time and the space to be really clear on what they are and then finding the thing that aligns with them. And, you know, I know 20 years ago, the things I cared about in my career, which was probably having the fanciest title and having the most senior role, they're definitely not the things that I, that I care about now as my life has evolved. And so there'll be people who, you know, at the start of their career had certain values. Now they might have a young family. So, so things around flexibility or what can my organization offer around, supporting me as as my family grows those might actually be the non-negotiables now the values and the things that are important so I love what you're saying that I love I love everything about what you're saying but I love that you did that work before you got to the state like you had the inkling but you didn't let it go so far as to you're at the point where you were like ready to just flip a table you did it at the point where you were like something's not quite right and I'm going to investigate what it is and get clarity around that and then that's led to you now having an amazing business bold side consulting and so what is like what is a day in your life like now running your own business what do you what do you what do you do what do I do? I, I was like, what is a day in the life? It's, my one word answer is like chaos. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it feels. No, the, the day in the life, I really help teams and leaders fulfill and meet their missions. So my mission is to build standout leaders and teams. That's what I do. And that's the goal. And the thing that like really lights me up. Like I love seeing teams kick their goals and like be really thriving and healthy. And the funny thing is the other side, so like that's like the the like kind of big 
public why. Why do I do what I did? The like shadow why or like the dark side why is like every HR professional will tell you this. I love the drama that is people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love the weirdness, Claire, that is people. Like we are just so weird. Like we do the weirdest things. And then you you put all these people into like the one team who are all so different and we just expect them to get along and we get surprised when they don't. And to me, I'm like, this is my space. I love this. I love it's partly why I love watching reality TV because I love seeing weird people do weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's the kind of like under like there's the, the public why and there's like that my shadow why of why I love HR and love uh working with leaders. I love that. It's so true. And my as you know, my background is is HR as well. And people are weird and complex and complicated. And there's no one way of doing things. And HR is definitely, it's a real vibe. Um, I can't <laughs> say I'm, there is definitely parts of it that I do not miss at all. Probably similar to you. Hence why you then create a business around the things that you do love. And so I think I think it's fantastic that you, you do so much work with organisations and teams and leaders. And so I would love to hear from you. Like for me, leadership is such such a fascinating space and I've got many opinions around what I what I think leadership is and whether I think everyone is capable of being a leader and all of these sorts of things which I'm keen to talk about but for you with the work that you do what do you think some of the common misconceptions are around what it is to be a leader? Oh there's so many falsities when it comes to leadership I think one of the big ones that we buy into is that that people are natural or born leaders. So this idea of oh, they're a born leader or they're a natural leader, I do not subscribe to that at all. And I think that's partly why we have so many crappy leaders because we don't we we think that leadership is an innate skill when really it's like anything, something we have to develop. So I think people have natural tendencies, just like some people are more naturally creative. But that doesn't mean you can't develop your own skill in creativity. In the same way, some people might have more of a natural skill towards influencing people, but that doesn't mean you can't develop your skill of influencing. Mm. And I think there's a couple of things that to me are like non-negotiable for leaders. If you have good a good level of self-awareness, that's like the biggest hurdle. Because some of the worst leaders are the ones that are that are completely not self-aware. And you're like, I I remember running this workshop once with a team. And I, do you know like the growth mindset model from Carol Dweck? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't, if you haven't not familiar with it and you're listening, read her book Mindset. It's essentially like this idea of a fixed versus a growth mindset. And in this workshop, Claire is so good. We were running it with a bunch of leaders and we get everyone to go through the model and they look at the skills and and the parts of the fixed mindset and then they look at the growth mindset and they work out okay what areas do i find challenging what areas maybe do i get stuck on and i get stuck in a fixed mindset so it might be feedback where for me my natural response claire like confessions but i can get defensive towards feedback and so that's when i kind of stick in my fixed mindset zone So when that happens, I have to be self-aware enough to go, okay, I need to now move into a gross mindset mode and seek out constructive feedback. So we do this activity, we get all the leaders in the room, we get them to to share 
what is it that you struggle with when it comes to a fixed mindset? And I'm giggling because it just made me laugh so much on the day, but everyone went around. It was so deep, it was so vulnerable and beautiful. And people were very open and raw. And they all shared like, okay, I really struggle with this area. I struggle with this area. And it got to the one person and the one person that I was like, this person definitely needs the most support <laughs> becoming a leader. And they're like, I'm all growth mindset. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And I kind of thought I loved because I thought they were having a joke. Was, but they're, they're like, no, no, I, I don't have any of those areas on the fixed mindset. I was like, oh. Did the room just go silent and yes. kind of look at them? Crickets. Everyone started to look down. And that's when you know, it, it, when you're in a room, watch the body language when you're in a meeting watch people's body language because that is a way of seeing what some of the relational dynamics and i'm like obsessed with body language and so i i like i was like oh everyone like i'm like i would laughed because i didn't know them but then everyone else was dead deadpan like and starts start looking down at the tables and it's very awkward and i remember thinking okay this is this is going to be a real challenge for this leader because they have no self-awareness. And I think if we lack that, that is the ultimate hurdle to overcome. Whereas if you, if the baseline expectation is we're aware of our strengths and our weaknesses and we seek input on our blind spots, then I think we can overcome so many of those other challenges and skills gaps. But if you just don't have that, that to me is the biggest concern. And that's where I see the most problems when it comes to leadership is if you don't have self-awareness or other awareness, the rest of it becomes a lot more complicated. Yeah, I could not agree with that more. And, you know, we can teach all the other skills around how to have feedback conversations and frameworks for decision-making and problem-solving and all these things that we know are critical parts of leadership as well. But if you don't know how you respond under pressure or when you feel vulnerable or exposed or, or to your point earlier, like when you're, when you're presented with feedback, you know, you've got a tendency to get defensive. That's powerful because when you know those things about yourself, you can then manage, right? Like self-awareness and self-management. And I often say this to people, like we can teach all the other frameworks, but there's no point in doing that until we've started with self and we understand our blind spots. And every single person on earth has got blind spots or areas to focus on. And the one, you know, the person that thinks that they don't, e.g. the example you just used, that is in fact their blind spot. <laughs> it's the ultimate blind spot right and the sad thing in that scenario is that if you if you approach your own development in that way you will never grow and I I find that really sad because I think we all need to be growing and developing now that doesn't necessarily look like moving up a career ladder because another misconception that we could talk all day about is the career ladder and how you can climb that for all, all you're worth and get to the top and think, gee, where, where the heck am I and why am I even here? I, I do think it's, it's a sad scenario when people aren't open to hearing some of those tough truths from their own team as well. Mm. When, when you're not seeking out and intentional with seeking out feedback, you can just stagnate in your growth. And that's what we saw with that leader. And, and as a leader, one of your primary things needs to be, I, 
I need to be growing. If I want to have a growing team, I personally must grow. 100%. I think um, it's so interesting in, I don't know about you, but when you know you think about leadership, we're having these conversations now around self-awareness and how important that is. And, you know, the the need for self-awareness never stops. Like I often get that question. Like, so when is this kind of whole self-awareness thing done? I'm like, when you're six feet under, that's when it's done. We <laughs> always have stuff to learn about ourselves. And when we think we don't, that in itself is an issue. But I find, um, like I could have these conversations to the cows come home. But when I think back, right, to, to going to uni, in school, all of those things, we management was spoken about being a manager in fact when I went to uni you literally could do an entire degree or just on management and none of this was spoken about none of the importance of self-awareness was spoken about critical thinking decision making creativity like vulnerable conversations like the human elements of being a manager how to be a leader they were never spoken about at uni and then all of a sudden you get these people hitting the workforce or you know all of a sudden being put in a position where where you are responsible to support people to achieve outcomes and they're like deers in headlights or you end up with these incredible individual contributors who have built up their knowledge over time and become incredibly gifted at a, at a niche set of, of technical skills that then the nap, you know, that, that we think the obvious choice to keep them is to then put them into a role where they're now leading a team of people and they get there and they're like, I hate it. And, and those <laughs> incredible technically gifted people then, then become mediocre performers. And, and so I'm curious to know your thoughts around like what are the things that you think, like what does uni or school not teach us about what the reality of being a leader actually is? Oh, <laughs> I love that. Everything. <laughs> Everything. I mean, I did, when I did my master's in HR, I, I thought it was really interesting because I did all these subjects like strategy, innovation, entrepreneurship, like all the things. And I'm like, we need to be doing psychology courses. We need to be doing, like, I don't understand why we're not focusing on that. If we want to build great leaders, we need them to understand human behavior. And the thing with human behavior is you can have the best bloody strategy in the world, but if you don't know how to get people working together to achieve a goal, good luck. Mm -hmm. Like you can have your four pillars on the wall and they're like, do this, do this, do this, do this. And still you can't get the people owning their jobs and motivated. I think we need to understand the theory of motivation. We need to understand organizational psychology and we absolutely need to understand human behavior. Those should be courses. And, and then the other thing, if we want to go, I said, don't let me rant Claire before this. Rant away. <laughs> I'm loving this. <laughs> the other thing we need to stop doing, and I know there's been heaps of stuff on this lately on LinkedIn, we need to stop talking about these things as soft skills. Fuck yes. I could not agree with that. They're, not, they're the hardest skills of all, aren't they? They're yeah. not soft. They're not soft. Like empathy. Empathy. And you know what? I'll be really honest and open. Empathy has been something that I've really had to work on. Like, and over, and I still continually need to work on it because I can be, I remember I got feedback once from my team 
uh, we did like a 360 process and the feedback was, I'm glad I can laugh about it now because I remember it hit hard at the time, but it was so helpful and any leader should do an anonymous 360 in my opinion. Mm-hmm. One of my team members said that I was, well, it was abrupt and rude and, you know, and I was like, I need to hear that because I am. And I, I, early in my leadership career, I, I really did lack empathy. I was very achievement focused, task focused. Whereas now as I've gotten older and I've had kids and my life has changed quite a lot, I know now in myself, I'm like, people, and as a parent, this has been my big lesson having little kids. I'm like, they need to know that they're safe and cared for and loved by me before I talk to them about the things that I need them to do. And that's, that's like, Parenting has been usually, it's such a big challenge, right? But I, I've learned so many lessons about myself through that process mm-hmm. of building empathy. And I think back on my early career as a leader and not in any way to liken leadership to parenting because it absolutely could not be more different in every single way. But I had to learn those skills that come with emotional intelligence, the skills that are really difficult. And that's why I hate when we call things like empathy soft because it's a really, really difficult skill to learn if it doesn't come naturally to you. That's a really long way of saying all that. But I guess my point is every institution, universities, they need to teach us this stuff. Like they need to be teaching us how do you build the skill of empathy, of having difficult conversations, of, I I mean, I love your thing of leading with heart and humour. Like those kind of things to me are like, how do we get more of that in our workplace? How do we get Mm. leaders who lead with heart and humor? Like, I want to work for you because I'm like, I know that I'll have fun, that you'll care about me as a person and we're on a mission. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, I could not agree with you more in this space. And I always find it fascinating that, and you probably see the same thing, given you go into lots of different organizations as well, but the products we sell might change. The services that we offer might change. The industries can be completely different. I always love when, you know, you get people that might say things like, oh, they're new to this industry. They don't, they don't really understand it. Bullshit. Like at their core though, products, services, industry might be different. At their core though, people just want to feel heard, seen, valued and understood. And understood doesn't even mean that I agree with you. It just means that I took the time to actually give a shit and to listen to your perspective. And I think, you know, when people call those soft, I think show me, firstly, show me then how you do it because I bet you find it more difficult than what you think you do. <laughs> but also but also, how do we, how do you, I mean, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this, like how do you get I think we've come a long way and we've certainly come a long way from the old kind of command and control style, but I still feel there is so much more of a need to get leaders and, and to get organisations and decision makers to get why this stuff is still so important. Like what are your thoughts on, on do, you, do you observe struggles still with getting organisations to see why this stuff matters? Has listening to all this talk about leadership made you think, hmm, maybe me or my team need a little bit of a pick-me-up? If it has, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out and let's talk about how we might be able to make some magic together. Now, back to the episode. Back to the episode. 
Yeah, I, I was working with a large organization and one of their executives said in in the session, and they were really open and honest, but they said, I'd like my employees to leave their emotions at the door. And I got why they, where they were coming from. They were dealing with some pretty kind of volatile behaviors. It was a really tough situation. I remember, th- I, and so yes, I was feeling like, okay, I can hear where you're coming from and how challenging that is. Mm-hmm. But we don't live in an environment where people can just switch off their emotions mm-hmm. like that on a, on a whim. And, and also a good friend of mine, Declan Edwards, he's a happiness researcher and he says something really amazing. When I talked to him about this situation and he said to me, the funny thing with that is that leaders want employees to show up with all the good emotions, mm. like energy, like joy, like happiness. Like we want, we bring those to work. Just don't bring any of the ugly ones. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's the answer. It's, we can't select which ones we can bring in, but we can talk to our employees about re- emotional reactivity and how we don't need to always react to the emotions and the feelings that we have and that we need to take control of our own emotional response. And, and Susan David's book, Emotional Agility, if this is something that's relevant for you, I'd encourage you to read it where it talks about emotions are things that if we treat them as like evidence, we look at them, we go, I can give create some distance from that, mm. acknowledge what's happening, but I don't need to be ruled by those emotions. And so for leaders, we need to understand how do we create an environment where people can show up as themselves, but we also are able to have conversations around this stuff. Like this is like messy, messy kind of conversations of, hey, we want you to show up as your authentic self, but that's not a license to come into work and be a dick. Mm. And, and, And so... I guess for me, as I'm thinking through what are we seeing in organizations, we're seeing our younger generations, our millennials and Gen Zs are coming through and they're bringing their full self to work, the good, the bad, the ugly, and they're vulnerable and they're more open and they want to be seen, heard and understood, as you said. And then we're seeing some of our um, leadership habits and practices that are still kind of dated in this time where we had really clear separation between work and home. And when you work, you get in, you get your job done, you you finish Mm up. And we need to really refresh our approach to leadership and go, well, if we want people to bring their full self to work, we need to be prepared to deal with the mess that comes with it, but also know that in the mess is where the gold is. Beautifully said. I could not have said that better myself, beautifully said. And, how, you know, I think there's so much, there's a lot of talk that happens around we want people to bring their full selves to work. We want everybody to belong. We want you to be authentic. But I don't know if we have enough conversations around what does that actually mean? Like we talk the talk, but in organisations, are we really peeling back the layers of what it means to bring your full self to work and and that there are good, bad and ugly emotions and discomfort that comes with that. And I love what you said around, you know, we want 
we want employees to bring all of the good emotions. We just don't want to see the bad ones. I think there's so much, so much truth in that. But we also know, and I think it's Brene Brown who says, you know, when we numb, when we numb the bad, we also numb the good. And so we can't, we can't just be half a human. We're a whole human. So how do we learn inside organizations to be the whole human and to appreciate the whole human in others? But then even one step further than that, target all of that complexity and that energy and those layers for something remarkable. Like to me, that's the biggest challenge for organizations and that's the biggest challenge for leaders. Oh, totally. I love that of how do you target that to create something remarkable? And I think we can do it. It just, we underestimate the skills, the energy that's needed to do that. We think Mm. that there's like a little formula and like, oh, no, I need to understand like the unique motivators and strengths of each person and then understand, okay, well, how do I tailor my style to get the best out of that person? Not just here's my style as a leader because mm. so, so long we focused on leadership styles what is your leadership style when really it's like no no what does this person need mm-hmm. what does this person need from me and my employee over here like Annabelle one of the girls on my team who works for me and she's just absolute gone like I like I need you in my life she's just <laughs> like so amazing she's like driven by achievement so her motivation is achievement so I give her a big huge challenge and she's like let me at it whereas another employee who was working for me her motivation was acceptance Mm. and so I I had to really adjust my my style to get the best out of her because I naturally lent more towards I was motivated by I'm motivated by achievement as well so those things aligned and that came easier for me but then you have another employee who's motivated by acceptance I have to adjust the way that I am with that team member so that I get the best out of them. And also the thing that I needed on my team was I need people that are different because otherwise we don't, we don't have the diversity within our team, the diversity of thought, the diversity of ways of working in order to fully serve our customers, to fully mm. serve our internal stakeholders. So think for us, it's like f- focus less on your own leadership style and focus more on what do my team members need from me? Yeah. Absolutely. Beautiful. Uh, so um, I've got two two more. Well, well, this is a statement and then a question. And then I've got another one for you after. But unpopular opinion, right? I, I don't believe that leadership is for everyone. And the reason I believe that is because I think that leadership is a choice. And it's a choice that you get to make with or without the formal title, right? Like if you come into contact with other human beings to solve problems, to collaborate, to move things forward, you are a leader should you choose to be. And so my belief around it not being for everybody is that it needs to be a choice and a mindset where you actually believe that it is your job to create space for other people to be the best versions of themselves, where you actually believe that I need to give you my time, my currency, and answer the questions that you have and spend time with you and invest in you. And then I believe that it's the outcomes that you achieve that indirectly then mean that I achieve. It's no longer just about me and what is everybody seeing me do. 
And so I think the reason I say I don't believe that everybody should be a leader is because I don't think that people, that everybody subscribes to that belief and that for some people is an unpopular opinion. So if you've got a different opinion, totally challenge me on it. But I want to know, like, what are your thoughts around Uh, that? Okay. Can I just ask you a a qualifying question? Yes. Before I give you my opinion, (laughs) Um, this is awesome, by the way. Uh, What do you, do you believe that that statement that we're all leaders what do you believe about that? I don't believe that we're all leaders. I, I believe that we'll have, we all could be, but you've got to choose to be that. I do, yeah. I do believe we're we are all leaders in the sense that you don't have to be handed a formal title to be a leader, in that I think you can show up as a leader even without formally being one. I don't believe we all are, because I don't believe we all show up that way by choice. I am, is that unpopular? <laughs> it is. Um, you know, it, it's unpopular. Yes, it is unpopular because we have that narrative of everyone's a leader. Like that's that, that's that thing that that gets that mm. gets sold around. Of we are all leaders in some capacity. I'm with you though. So I'm I sign me up to the unpopular side. We could, you know, there's at least two of us in this unpopular camp. <laughs> I don't think we're. I don't think everyone's a, le- a leader. I I. I think what you're saying is bang on. It's a choice. It's a conscious choice. And the the definition of, well, what makes a leader? It's, well, a leader is someone who has people following them and not everyone has people following them and that's fine. And not everyone should be a leader. Mm. So if we think about it in that way, I love that, Claire, so much. I haven't thought about that around. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make. It's not something that's forced upon us. It's not a step on the career ladder to your next thing. It's I'm choosing to take on this role. It's not an add-on to your core job description, which is often what I see people go, cool, I've been promoted from technical expert. I've been promoted from digital marketing specialist to digital marketing manager. And that just ends on adding on the people management part. Mm. It's like, no, no, you're now, you're now, primary focus is you're in a leadership role you you're there to lead the team to help the team to succeed I I think the challenge and Patrick Lanchoni on his podcast at the table has talked about this idea of not everyone should be a leader and we're not all leaders Mm -hmm. and I could be misquoting him a, a tiny bit in that but the essence of what he was saying is great leaders have the right motivation to lead yeah. And it's his book, The Motive, if you want to go read it, that he talks about what is your motivation to lead, which is kind of similar to what you're saying. Of how do you make a choice, a conscious decision, and you see that role of leadership as being central to you fulfilling your job rather than the add-on, like, oh, and now I have to run one-on-ones and team meetings. Spot on, spot on. And the my one wish for organisations would be that they make it, they actually make it easier for people to say, you know what, it's actually not for me. And so that we can find other ways to nurture and grow incredibly gifted technical experts who are just saying, I don't want to manage people. I don't want to be responsible for a team. It doesn't light me up. It's not 
the obvious next step for me. But we make mistakes, I think, in organisations where we think the only way we can retain talent is by keep is by giving them that next step, which more often than not is a team. Yeah. And sometimes we win at it and we see the best come out of people because they choose to show up that way and they want to when they've got that belief that I, I, I want to see the best in people and bring out the best in them. And then we have those people that are just like thrust into it and they're like, this is not for me so my wish is that organizations can think about like how do we make it easier for people to be able to put their hand up and say that and give them opportunities for career progression that aren't team leader manager and leadership because organizations need highly skilled technical people they need to create career paths that aren't based Mm -hmm. on on people leadership because if you think about an organizational structure just the actual volume of roles available there's not the volume of roles so we need to think about well if we've only got if we've got an organization of 100 people we might have 30 people managers we need to hand pick those people and we need the people in those roles to be all in on mm. how do i grow as a leader how do i build my skills whereas if we're thinking solely around let's retain our, our top talent who are, who are technically skilled. Maybe they don't want to manage people because they actually, the thing that lights them up is their core job that they're doing. And we organizationally need to find career paths for those people to give them what they want to engage them, to retain them. It doesn't have to be now you're a people manager. Yeah. Exactly. Spot on. Now I could talk to you about this all day, but the last question I want to ask you is what is one piece of advice that you would give our listeners to think about if they are kind of having this reflection at the moment around, am I a leader? Do I even want to be a leader? How do I work that out? What advice would you give? Oh, I love to give advice. So to boil it down into one thing is tricky. How, if they, if you want to be a leader or if you're wondering, is this right for me? I want you to think about what energizes you. What brings you energy? For me, I realized actually when I started my own business, I really missed being in a team. Like, cause I started, obviously you start solo and you're on your own. And I was like, oh my gosh, I I can't do, I'm not a solopreneur that's like not working for me. It does not bring me energy. I need to be around people and doing this with a group of people. I want you to think about what energizes you. Are you energized by helping other people become their best self? Are you energized by helping and coaching other people to solve problems? Are you energized by helping diverse perspectives come out into the surface in a team meeting and go, cool, now we have heard from everyone. Now we can make the right decision based on hearing from a whole range of of people. If that's something that you're like, yeah, that's me, then I think you need to throw your hat in the ring and try and get into that leadership zone. But if you're the type of person that finds those things draining, or you find the idea of like, how do I coach a team to win instead of being able to execute and do the things myself? That's where you start to go, is that leadership role going to be right? And one of my good friends, um, Em, who I've had the pleasure of working with, 
for a long time. She's this amazing, she's an amazing leader. And one of the things that I love about her is she just loves seeing other people succeed. Like that's, and she's so like, she, she just loves it. She loves help. She asks the best questions. Like every time I meet with her, I'm like, I leave and I'm like, I've had all these light bulb moments because she's just asked amazing coaching questions. And I think that's the type of person that needs to be leading. We've had so many conversations about that. Her sweet spot is leadership because she's all about unlocking the potential in other people. So if that sounds like you, you need to give it a go, see if it lights you up and uh, really get to that self-awareness of what energizes you and what drains your energy. And that'll be the indicator of whether leadership is right for you or not. Brilliant advice and practical, practical, practical for people to take away and do something with. Shelly, I have loved this conversation. I am going to make sure, I'm sure people are going to want to follow you following today. So I'm going to drop links to your podcast, My Millennial Career. I'm going to drop a link to your book, sort your career out and all of your handles for Instagram and LinkedIn in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're loving what you're hearing, make sure you jump on and give us a five-star review. But Shelly, 100%, we're going to get you on again on the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Claire. Well, that's it for another episode of the Eating Your Cake 2 podcast. It has been amazing to have you here and I am always so grateful for you taking the time to pop me in your ears as you go about your day or night. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Eating Your Cake 2. And if we aren't connected on LinkedIn yet, reach out and say hi. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then I would love if you would leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with me here too. Until next episode, you've got this. You can do it. You are doing it. And remember to back yourself and what you have to offer. Hey there, thanks for hanging on and thank you again so much for listening to the podcast. I truly love having you with me, but I want to make sure that you know if you're ready to work together exactly how we can do it. The first way is through my game-changing Transform Your Career six-week accelerator program. This six-week online program is for busy professional women who are ready to regain control of their career and leadership once and for all. Go from feeling like just another employee to an in-demand asset in your company. Stop feeling lost, stuck and unmotivated and instead feel confident, worthy of earning more and armed with the tools to go out and get what you want. The Transform Your Career Accelerator cuts the crap and gets right to the key levers that you need to be pulling to ensure you are seen, heard and noticed at work. Add to this an epic group of like-minded women all coming together to share insights, learnings, and to build a new network along the way. If this sounds like something you need, then join the waitlist now. The link is in the show notes. 
The second way you can work with me is through my private one-on-one coaching program, where I only take a very limited number of clients each year by application. My six-month private programs are for you if you know you need tailored coaching and guidance now. You want a container of space and time just for you to work through your exclusive and unique goals. You don't want to wait for the waitlist in my other programs because you know you want access to my brain and my experience all to yourself. If this sounds like you, then book a free call in my diary today and let's chat. Lastly, if you want me in your organization to come and share my tried and tested knowledge with your team on how we can all collectively elevate our own leadership and career success, then jump on my website and download the services info pack or grab it from the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening.